Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners once again today. We are so thankful to have this opportunity to reach out with God's Word on this in this media, to be able to be on radio and uh, to touch so many hearts and souls. You know, it's so special what we have in this country, the freedom to be able to broadcast the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just not that way everywhere in the world. In some places, to do this, we would have to be hiding someplace because it would be illegal to actually teach the Bible in a public way over public broadcasting airways. And then in other places, it would just be so rejected that hardly anybody would listen, possibly. And, and so what we have in this country is so special, the freedom to be able to teach the Word of God without fear of any kind of physical or legal retribution, to simply get into the Bible and teach the Scriptures, God's Word, God's will for our lives to live the best life that any human being can possibly live in this, on this earth. And the hope that we have by being able to turn to God's word, learn the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope of being able to know that we can be forgiven, that we can have a new start on life, and that we can look forward to eternity with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. Well, again, that hope is like none other. It is precious. It is what we ought to grab onto most of all. So many people are looking for hope and they feel like they're almost hopeless. In many cases, they do feel absolutely hopeless. They think there's nothing for them, no way for them to turn, no hope that they can make it through this life. And how many people turn to terrible outlets or, or, or directions that, that they grab onto, they, they think, well, at least that's something. And, and yet it does not give them hope. They've turned to alcohol, they turn to drag, drugs, they turn to continual illicit sexual encounters, they turn to violence in some cases, in crime, and, and then, most forlorn of all, they turn to suicide. And none of those avenues hold them any hope, certainly not lasting hope, empty, shallow short-lived, whatever positive they might feel that they would get from those kinds of, of directions, it's just a failure. But God has sent his son to this world to bring us the message of hope, the gospel of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here on Search the Scriptures, we strive to get that message across on a consistent and daily basis. We want to help you find real hope. We want to help you get to heaven. Now, at the end of the program today, as we always do, we'll tell you how to contact us so that you can ask for a free Bible study that we always offer. And when we say free, it is exactly that. It is free. We'll even take care of the postage. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. Write down that information, and then you can contact us and ask for that free Bible study. It can literally change your life. It can offer you the hope that you've been searching for. We hope to hear from you. Now, today, I want us to begin a new series of studies. I want to talk about something that I think so many people, they, they don't think about very often until maybe it's too late or they've already 
found themselves in a crisis situation. I want to talk about drifting. We need to always be aware of our spiritual direction in life. Now, maybe I need to dig a little bit deeper than that. We need to always be aware of our direction in life. You see, I realize that a whole lot of people really do not reference the direction of their life by their spiritual decisions because they don't have much of a spiritual life. Oh, they would probably say, yes, I believe in God. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. But they have no spiritual life, basically. They don't read the Bible. They rarely pray to God even. They don't really think about God much. He's just not in their head because they're doing their own thing. They're living their life the way they want to live, and God is not really a part of their thinking process, let alone their directing process in their lives, which way they're going, what their goals are, what they hope to accomplish and achieve. God's just not there. In fact, if somebody brings God up to them, that becomes something of a distraction, an annoyance, an inconvenience, because they don't want to be bothered with thinking about spiritual things. They're too busy focusing on what they're hoping will make them happy. And in their mind, it's not spiritual. It's not God. It's things, it's experiences, it's relationships, those kinds, adventures, those kinds of things. It's not God. Now, they keep failing at all of those attempts to find hope, to find direction, to find lasting happiness. But you see, they're so removed from thinking about God that that they're only focusing on material things, physical things, relational things, things of this world. And they have not come to the to grips with the fact that they keep failing in all of those attempts. They're not finding real happiness. They're not finding lasting happiness. They're not finding fulfillment, self-worth, all of those things that anybody needs because those things are only found to the ultimate degree in a right relationship with God. So they're looking in all the wrong places. But a lot of times with a whole lot of those folks, something happens to kind of jolt them to reality and they come to realize, wow, this isn't working. This never has worked. I need to look someplace else. And then their mind can be opened to start thinking about God and their relationship with him. Unfortunately, I'm afraid that a whole lot of people who are going down those roads of misdirection and false hope and only temporary and shallow happiness and fulfillment, I'm afraid that a whole lot of those folks never really do come around to open their mind to turning to God. But we want to help as many as we can. We always need to be aware of our spiritual direction because it's easy to drift into sin. It's easy to drift into doctrinal error. It's easy to drift into outright unfaithfulness to God without even realizing that we've gone off course. I used to fish a great deal. In fact, at one point in my life, I probably would go fishing at least once a week, most weeks. Most of the time, I would fish off the bank of some lake or pond or river, stream, something. 
occasionally I would connect with somebody who had a boat and they'd take me out on the open water someplace. Now that would be an enjoyable experience. You'd get out there and you'd try to find a place where you'd think, okay, the fish may be biting there. And so you throw out your line and you start waking, uh, start waiting. You start working your, your line, work the bait or the lure, whatever you're using, and you're hoping that the fish are going to be there and that they're going to bite. Now, there's a crucial element that needs to be present for you to be able to catch fish in that place. It, uh, maybe they're biting in abundance. They're biting regularly, frequently, quickly. But if you don't have an anchor on your boat to stabilize that boat in that location, before you know it, without even realizing it, within five or ten minutes, you might look around and say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're not where we were. We're not where the fish were biting just a few minutes ago. We have gradually drifted quite a ways away from that spot. The, the, the uh, water will just drift us off. Just drift us off. The current and we won't even have realized that we've drifted. Think about a pilot of an airplane or a pilot at a ship at sea. And think about that pilot steering that vessel, whether it's an airplane or a ship at sea, across the Pacific Ocean. Depending on what direction he's going, you're probably talking about thousands of miles across that open body of water. So he's got his point of starting and he's got his destination point mapped out and so he's going to go to that particular destination point. Now do you realize that depending on the distance traveled that if that pilot misses, if he's off in his course setting by just one degree, now we're not talking about halfway off. We're talking about just one degree. If he's off in his course heading by just one degree, he could miss his destination by 50 or 100 miles or even more. In other words, a big time miss. So while he is flying that plane or he's guiding that ship across that open body of water, he has to continually check his course, check his compass, check his heading. Because again, if somehow he drifts off by just one degree, he'll miss his destination. And depending on how far it is from point A to point B, his starting point to the destination point, he could miss by 50 miles or 100 miles or even more. Everything needs to be exact. A marksman going out on the rifle range. He's got to set his sights. He's got to set his sights for distance, for wind velocity, and for direction. And the longer his projected shot is going to be, the more precise those factors play on whether or not he hits his target. If he is off by just a little bit, well, that, that shell is that going it's going to miss his target and depending again on the distance it could be by a lot he'll miss it by a lot in our spiritual life especially 
we need to be careful to not drift. Think about the technical definitions of the words sin and transgress. Now, both of these words are used interchangeably to talk about sin in the scriptures. The word sin, the technical definition is a missing of the mark. A missing of the mark. Boy, that's appropriate, isn't it? And transgress, similar technical understanding is to go aside, to go beyond. Well, now there's the principle of drifting, drifting away from our destination point, and that's heaven. Drifting away from our guide, and that is God. Drifting away from our manual, our guidebook, our map, and that's God's word, the Bible. Gradual drifting away, and yet we can miss our mark, we can miss our destination, we can miss our goal by a whole lot, by a whole lot. You see, staying on course is crucial in this life, and it's certainly crucial in our eternal destiny. We need to be careful to not drift away from the spiritual course that God has set for us in his word. Now here's a, war a warning from the Hebrews writer, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed. Now that's very strong language there, very active. We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Now where do you think we've heard those things? In God's word. So we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Just like being in that boat, fishing, and that spot where we're catching the fish, but we don't have an anchor to stabilize the boat, we drift away. Gradually, maybe imperceptibly at first, but then suddenly we look around and realize we're nowhere near where we were. We've drifted away. That pilot on that ocean-going vessel, that pilot in that plane crossing large body of ocean, or maybe just a large body of land going from one point in the United States to another point, he has to make sure he keeps checking his compass and that his bearings are correct and that his heading is set right and stays right or else he can drift off course and end up missing his mark, his destination, his goal by a whole lot. One area of life in which we can really relate to this is in the marriage relationship. Many husbands and wives one day realize that they have drifted apart. Now they fell in love at one point, maybe five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago or 25 or even longer. They came together, they felt that they could not live their lives without each other. And so they became husband and wife and perhaps even raised children together or at least bore children together. But then things happened in their lives and they didn't pay enough attention to the course of their marriage and their heading of love for one another. And so they just drifted apart. Gradually at first, and they didn't even realize it, but they 
instead of being that close couple, that couple who could not live without each other, they started drifting into their individual lives and courses, and they became more and more, they grew more and more apart. They did not even realize it at first, and maybe for a long time. But then one day they came to realize, you know, our love for each other just isn't what it used to be. It just isn't. And so many couples at that point, they begin questioning, do we still love each other? Do I still want to be with you? And so they use that drifting apart, that gradual drifting away from each other, as a reason for getting divorced and breaking up their marriage relationship and their family relationship and their home. We need to pay attention to our love for one another, to our marriage, to our family, to our commitment to each other. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, and I'm not going to read all of that text, but he gives us something of a marriage manual there. Now what he's really talking about is our relationship to Jesus Christ as his church. But he is trying to get across the teaching there, the principle, by using the illustration of a husband-wife relationship. And so he says in verse 22, Husbands, submit to your own husbands. I'm sorry, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let husbands be to their, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, Paul is simply saying that God has set roles within marriage. And he says, okay, the husband is going to be the God-designated leader within the home. And particularly, he should be the spiritual leader. Now, unfortunately, there are a whole lot of marriages and homes in which the husband has abdicated his responsibility. He's not a good, he's not a good example to his children. He's not a good provider for his wife and his family. He's really not a good example of morality even. And so the wife of necessity has to become the leader. Well, that's not the way that God designed it. That's not the way it should be. Husbands should pay attention to their role as the leader in the home, the overseer, so to speak, or the protector, the provider, and wives need to respect their husbands for that role. Now, verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Christ died for the church, died to establish the church. And Paul says that husbands should love their wives enough to die for them if necessary. Now that's tremendous commitment, tremendous dedication, deep, devoted love. Husbands need to respect their responsibility to their wives along those lines. Verse 28 says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. 
So husbands should love their wives as their own selves. They would not abuse their own body purposely. They should not abuse their wife. And so then verse 33, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Each following God's role in their marriage relationship. And they really need to recognize that the deepest part of their relationship and the most important goal is for both of them to help each other get to heaven and spend eternity with God the Father and Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, in a very succinct way, the Apostle Peter says, Husbands, likewise dwell with them, that is, with your wife, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Think about that. You see, if marriage partners will always check the compass of their marriage, am I being the husband I should be? Am I being the wife I should be? Then it's likely that their marriage will stay on course and they'll stay in love together. Now also, as brought out by Peter in 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, if they are true soulmates, they'll most likely stay mates in every other way as well. If they're in tune and they're united and they're dedicated and committed in the same way and to the same depth and degree spiritually, the same direction, then they're probably almost certainly going to stay in love and that marriage relationship is going to flourish. But if they don't pay attention to the little things in marriage, and particularly if they don't pay attention to the most important thing, and that is their spiritual life and their spiritual relationship with God and with each other, then it will be very easy for them to drift away from each other. And how sad a reality that would be. We're going to continue this study next time. Again, in just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Be sure to write that information down and then contact us. Ask for the free Bible study. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD for free, and we'll pay the postage. We hope to hear from you right away.